All right. I like that. You never know what they will share with us. That's true. That's what makes uh, raising kids exciting. And matter of fact, if you follow me on Facebook or anything, got a new blog that I've uh, reinvented and put my latest on there called The Great Adventure, and it's about being a dad. And uh, so stop by. It'll take you about two and a half minutes to read it, and I hope it encourages you. It's just if you want to check it out, PastorMichaelReese.com. Worship your Lord. 
worship your holy name. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us come worship you this morning. God, I pray that your presence will just fill this room, God. You open our hearts to the message that will be shared with us this morning. God, we just might take it and use it in our lives. Thank you for all that you do for us. Pray that you remember the prayer requests that were mentioned in the unspoken. God, I thank you for all that you do for us. Forgive us of all of my sins. In your name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Matthew 22. I've, uh, I've preached about, uh, about 30 Father's Day messages through the years. And I was looking at, you know, what to preach and different things and, and, uh, just came up with this, uh, you know, I was thinking, what? because there's only so many typical Mother's Day passages and so many typical Father's Day passages. And so I was looking, you know, things that if I'm a dad and I always try to take Bible uh, verses and not, you know, you can learn Bible facts and say, Jesus loves you. Amen. Jesus died on the cross for you. Amen. <laughs> but what, what I do with that information? Well, obviously want to share it, and all of us are probably lacking in that area. What do we do, though? What do we do as a father? What can I do better as a dad? And, of course, these three things uh, that I'm going to share with you will apply to you moms also. Because these are three great lessons that might probably, as a matter of fact, I've said the three greatest lessons that you can teach your family. So I was raised uh, by a set of parents, but then my parents divorced. Many of you may know that. But uh, so then I had a single mom. And thank the Lord, that single mom decided to get back in church. And she started teaching us the three greatest things. My mom started teaching us the three greatest things. Love God, and as the Bible says it, and I say it in my vernacular, I say love God with everything you've got. You know, the Bible says love God with all your soul, strength, might, and, and it says it in different ways, different things. And But then it says to also to love your neighbor as yourself. But there's another lesson that goes in with that. It's not in that passage, but the Bible teaches to live selflessly. Now, this is uh, mostly easy for the ladies most now there are some selfish ladies there are some and there are some unselfish men but generally men are more selfish than women and we just are it's just the way it's just the wiring that in us i'm not saying that's of everyone because there's opposites and different things and what have you so uh we've uh doing great on time i was just checking my time because we've had a lot going on which i think is cool and uh, God's just been so good to us. Matthew 22, let's stand for the reading of God's holy word. Go ahead and stretch your legs one more time. Matthew 22, verse 36. This won't take but a second. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all 
the law and the prophets. Father, God, thank you for being able to have an influence and be a dad. Thank you for the dads that are here. Bless our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, the <clears throat> I put in our bulletin, in our outline, I talked about guys we need to step up. And that uh, we're running out of role models. Uh, there's uh, a lot of times us dads are in TV and different things is that we're, we're just painted a bad picture. And a lot of times we get our cart ahead of the horse and we lose, fact, lose sight of what's the most important. I've got a quote for you. Matter of fact, I wanted you to have a copy of it, so I put it in the bulletin in the intro for you. And the quote reads like this, Our goal in parenting is not ultimately for our kids to have a, get a great education or be great athletes. And I've quoted this there a while back, but I wanted to use it again. Or to find a great spouse or even get a great career. But ultimately, our goal as parents is for them to love a great God. That's ultimately, because what if you get all the rest of it and lose God? I mean, what if you have everything? The Bible addresses that. What if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So I'm, our goal ultimately is that our kids fall head over heels in love with Jesus Christ. That's your job ultimately. And say you missed the boat. Say you lost that, uh, you lost that opportunity. In other words, uh, maybe your goal was somewhere else. And you lost that opportunity to influence. Maybe God gives you a second chance through someone else's, uh, you could be a parent to someone else's kids. Meaning that you have influence. You have friends. You, grandkids, a second chance at saying, you know, I, I wasn't there as a parent. Maybe I can be there as a grandparent. I want to talk about the power of influence and how that we have the power of influence. Uh, <clears throat> we moved to uh, Alexandria, Louisiana in uh, August, right at the end of July, 1st of August in the year 2000. We were swapping schools and everything, and our kids were little. Taylor in this picture is in the fourth grade, and she's running cross-country. Uh, we were in the Class C school uh, called Grace Christian School in Alexandria, Louisiana, and they didn't have enough for a cross-country team, so they started recruiting. And, I, of course, being the first child, I raised uh, Taylor on ESPN and sports. And uh, I was going to make a, you know, whether I didn't care that she was a girl. I'm gonna, I want her to love sports. And so, but a big thing in this running, she's running up this hill and as uh as uh, Kenneth gives us another look at this hill that she's running up, this this location was called Bulow Lake in Pineville, Louisiana. And this, and I told her, I said, "Here's what I want you to do in this race. I want you to never stop. Just, just never. Don't slow down. Don't slow down to a walk. I want you to keep running." And she's passing eighth graders, and she's passing ninth graders. Some of them are even coming to a stop on this hill. Pretty good incline, and. Uh, and so, and I really encouraged her, I said, this, that's your goal. That's your goal. I want you to run. You don't have to be fast. Just run and don't stop to walk. And as she was coming across the finish line, and he'll get to there and she's coming through here. Little old fourth grader and she's coming through. And when she gets to the end, she collapsed. I dropped the camera. She collapsed in my arms. 
She's just sucking air. <sighs> and she looked up and she said, Dad, I didn't slow down. I kept going. I said, wow. And it is all because she didn't want to disappoint her dad. That's why she did that. And I didn't realize, and I still don't even realize the power of my influence that I have with my kids. Dads, you don't realize. Even when you're not taking it serious, they are. They're watching you. You have the power of influence. What was really cool is later on the next year, they ended up, after that season, winning the state championship. and They were honored. And she has her name up on the banner even today, showing that T. Reese, right there on the right, won a state championship in cross country in 2001 as a fourth grader. That's kind of cool. And uh, it is a neat deal. I did not realize, again, the power of influence dads have. And the moms do too. But dads, you are held responsible by God for the physical and spiritual well-being in your home. It's up to you. Now, some moms pick the ball up when the dads drop the ball. But the ball belongs to you. God gave it to you. God gave you the, the responsibility to do this. Okay? In our text, it says to love God. I quickly want to go through some of these scriptures and just how to love God. How do you show your kids to love God? The Bible says in Psalms chapter 112 and verse 1, it says, uh, talking about loving His Word. And then we'll go to Psalms 119. Psalms 112 says this, Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in His commandments. That little uh, kind of a movie trailer style video that we had a while ago. Remember, it showed the dad. He was looking at the scriptures, and but he was involved with his kids. Sometimes you say, "Well, I got to work a lot. How can I be involved with my kids?" But a lot of times, here's where dads drop the ball, and a lot of parents is that they say, "Well, I've worked 50 hours this week. The rest of the time is my time." If you chose to got to, excuse me, to get married, get my sentences correct. If you chose to get married, that's wrong. The rest of the time is not your time. It's called our time. You say, I need a, a, and I'm not saying that dads don't need an outlet and us guys don't need an outlet. I'm saying think of your family also. Include them. Be involved in their lives. Be involved in their life. And this here, and they, if they don't see you doing this verse, hey, if they don't see you doing that right there, they won't either. If they don't see you fearing God and delighting in His Word and wanting to know what it says, they won't either. They won't. Go to Psalms 119 and verse 97. Psalm 119 and verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So we're to, we're to love God with everything we've got. 
Uh, you can look up the Acts scripture later on. Now I want you to head to uh, his church. This is pretty cool. We are to love his church. Now, uh, the church, and that that is, is Jesus, if you're saved and you're a man, guess what that means? Let me repeat that so you don't miss it. If you're saved and you're a man, you know what that means? You're supposed to be a man of God. And a man of God not only loves God, but you love His Word and you love His church. They don't, you, you just go ahead and throw this in the garbage if you don't do that. It's real logical. It's real easy. If you're saved and you're a man, this says you're to love God with everything you've got, love His Word, love His church. Jesus, He ordered the church. You say, and, 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 I've, and I've run into people and people get tired of churches. You know why they get tired of churches? Because churches are full of crazy hypocrites. <laughs> All churches. So I'm, I'm not ever going back. Well, well, that, that's just, you just throw the Bible in the garbage. Because you're saying, I don't need that section of the Bible. And, but it, that's wrong. We're to serve in the church. We're to love God with everything we've got. We're to love the Word. And even if you're sitting on a pew with a crazy person this morning, <laughs> even if you're sitting on the pew with a crazy person, you're, everybody's elbowing each other. And, uh, it doesn't matter. You say, I love the Lord. I'm gonna worship the Lord this morning. You need to also. Okay? You need to worship the Lord too. Okay? And it doesn't matter because this church is full of crazy hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? Somebody who says one thing and does another. I've done that. And then I realized it. I said, man, I just, I, I messed up. We all mess up. We all say one thing and do another thing. Then you realize, man, I'm sorry. I, either A, you wasn't paying attention, or B, you just got backslidden for a little bit. I mean, we all do that. Get over it. Stop wearing your feelings on your shoulders. Come on, serve God. Love God with everything you've got. Love His Word. Love His church. Matter of fact, this powerful scripture here in Acts 20, 28, and it's referring to the leaders in the church, but I want to refer it to the dads. Take heed unto yourselves, dads, and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And guess what? You can not only have a leadership role in a church, but guess where your real leadership role is, dads? Your real leadership role is in your home. And feed them. Feed them. Feed your Sunday school class, but your first Sunday school class is your own family. Your first Sunday school class is your own family. Feed them. Not only physically, but feed them spiritually. Okay? I love the quote by Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, matter of fact, his wife, Elizabeth Elliott, just passed away at 88 years old. He's the fellow that lost his life in the 50s to the Alcoa Indians who speared him to death because he was trying to lead them to the Lord. In his journals was this statement. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, and that's your life. You give up your life, your life here on earth. Give it to him. So that you can gain a heavenly life. 
Give up your life here on this earth so you can gain a heavenly life. It doesn't belong to you. Give it to God. Love others. At home, what does your family see? We read a while ago Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 4. And matter of fact, uh, in what I call this right here, your fathers provoke not your children to wrath, which is what, when I say loving others, uh, you can come to church and, and be all goody two-shoes and everything, but your kids see the real you at home. And that verse right there, provoke not your, how do you, how you act when you're, it's only you and your family? How you act when it's only you and your family? And now, so they watch it and they know. And what's the old saying? More is caught than taught. So it doesn't matter exactly, really, you say, well it does matter what comes, yeah I know it matters what, but more is about, more is caught than taught. How you act before them. Head now to, and so that's what your family sees. Now I want to deal with what do your friends see. Go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse 34. Jesus, and this is in red letters in your Bible anyway. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Uh, and then, it says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples indeed, that you have love one to another. Just, now that's the way you behave toward other people. Head over there to John 15 now. And I really want to focus on this for just a, a minute or two, okay? And this is, again, this is uh, your, your, the way you treat other people. The way you treat. So the Bible says this. What's the great commandment? Love God with everything you've got. Love other people. That's what the Bible says. It's not what, that's not a saying from Michael Reese. That's not a saying from some other book writer. That's a saying from God. That's called Scripture, the Bible. Love God with everything you've got. Love others as yourself. And then it says here in John 15. Now, notice particularly the commas. We're going to break this up. This is my commandment. Stop. Pause. You see, a comma is always good to pause. Well, what's the commandment? That you love one another. Comma. As I have loved you. Look at the next verse. Greater love hath no man than this. What? That a man lay down his life for his friends. Which just, you know what that means? You say, well, I'm supposed to die. No, guess what? Laying down your life for your friends. If you harmonize this scripture with the other scriptures, guess what it's talking about? Just put other people ahead of yourself. You can lay down your life every day. Did you know that? You don't have to actually die. You can lay down your life by just putting other people ahead of you. Laying, it's like, kind of like the old, uh, person coming up to the mud hole and the gentleman taking off his jacket and laying it down so the lady could cross the mud hole or whatever. And it's, it literally is saying, I'll be a servant to you. And that harmonizes with, so you could lay down your life every day. You don't have to physically die. Lay it down means giving yourself to others. Giving yourself to your children, to your wife, so on and so forth, okay? And then 
lastly on this section right here is what I call our attitude. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. This is an attitude. Matter of fact, this attitude is seen... Uh, my dad and I were talking this morning. I called him first. Normally he calls me and I said, Happy Father's Day, Dad. And we got to talking. And he was helping me catch up. I didn't know that the judge over there in South Carolina allowed the uh, victim's family members to be there with the perpetrator. And they got to speak to him. And they told him that they forgave him for killing their Loved one. That is an unbelievable Christ-like attitude. Attitude is a choice. It's your choice whether to be like Jesus or not. You guys say, I got saved at 10, but are we living for him? Do we have his spirit? Do we have his character? Do we have his demeanor? Look at this. This is a choice. Matthew 5.43 says this, You've heard it been said that you love your neighbor and hate everybody that you don't like. That's the way they did in the Old Testament. But I say unto you, love your enemies. And if somebody cusses you out, be nice to them. Right there, verse 44. And to them that hate you, You say, somebody, they just hate my guts. Pray that God would bless them. And those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Verse 45 says that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. Sendeth rain on the just and unjust. In other words, bad things happen to good people. And then it says, for if you love them which love you, uh, that's easy. Even lost people do that. That's what he says to publicans. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans. So then it says, be you therefore perfect. And that just means grown up. Be a grown up. Mature. Mature. Even as your father which is in heaven is grown up, mature, perfect. Then lastly, live selflessly. Selflessly, say that correctly. Uh, when a man serves others, it sets an example for the family and the church. I love this scripture. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. This is pretty cool. Did you know there's a passage in here that a man gave up his... I think he probably had to. He gave up his career and his standing in the community to bring his daughter to Jesus. What if you were faced with that position? What if it took you losing your job and your standing in the community for you to bring your child to Jesus? The fellow that did this, his name was Jarius. And the Bible says in this passage that he was a ruler of a synagogue. And it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, Jesus went over the other side, verse 22, and there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, his name was Jairus, they saw him, he fell at his feet. And folks, notice verse 23, this is a man, 
his daughter is dying in bed. And if you love your children, this would be you. When it says, and I know this is King James, it's in Old English, besought him greatly. That means he grabbed a hold of him and begged. He grabbed a hold of him and begged and said, My daughter's dying. I need you to come save her right now. But he knew, listen, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, which means this, that he was still, he was one of the leaders in Judaism. And so to recognize this fellow as a, as a prophet from God and his teachings, but his teachings were saying, your job is over. Your job in Judaism is done. Judaism is now fulfilled in me. I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. I'm the fulfillment of all those sacrifices. I'm preaching to you that I'm the Messiah. And that fellow asked him to do, if Jesus is just a man, he asked the impossible of him. And if Jesus is God in the flesh, then who is he to ask anything of him? And I tell you, who are we to ask anything of the Lord? But he, by his grace, gives it to us anyway. And so, <clears throat> he took a chance and begged. I ran across an article by Dr. Meg Meeker, who is with... Uh, the family talk and um and looking at this i just want to share with you this article uh real quick during this month in june we celebrate dads and i want to take the opportunity to share the truth with every father think of this did you know god calls himself father he doesn't call himself mother therefore you dads have honor bestowed upon you the moment your child is conceived honor and she's sharing in, uh, some interesting things from a book she just wrote. We'll probably try to get it in our church library called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And uh, how, many, uh, how many dads in here have a daughter? Lift your hand. We got daughters everywhere. Be proud of your daughters and so thankful for your daughters. If you just have sons, that's special too. But this is just kind of dealing with the daughters because uh, it's kind of something that, that think about this 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 woman wrote this book called Strong Fathers Strong Daughters and she just wants to share a portion with this and this is especially if you're a daughter in here listen to this daughters or dads listen to this your daughter takes cues from you from her father everything you do if you drink, smoke, delinquent, uh, moodiness, seeking attention from teen boys, when you are with her, this is if you have a daughter, whether you eat dinner or do homework together, or even if you're present but don't say much, the quality and stability in her life, and you'll find your own, improves measurably. Even if you think that the two of you operate, talking about you and your daughter, operate on different planes, and even if you worry that time with her shows no measurable results, even if you doubt you're having a meaningful impact on your daughter, the clinical fact is that you're giving your daughter the greatest gift, and that's you. 
Research shows that parenting increases that bond, spending time together. Matter of fact, listen to this, skipping a paragraph, if you have a daughter. When she is 25, she will mentally size up her boyfriend or husband against you. When she is 35, the number of children she has will be affected by her life with you. The clothes she wears will reflect something about you. Even when she's 75 and she's facing death, she will have a distant memory of the time she spent with you. Be it good or painful, the hours and years you spend with her or don't spend with her changes who she is. Okay? Four years ago, this is Dr. Meg Meeker speaking first person. My father passed into God's hands. He suffered from severe dementia. His disease broke my heart in his When dementia was setting in, he would sit and cry for hours. He was a brilliant man who had done medical research and his results was published. More importantly, he was my dad. He loved his family with everything he had. And in spite of his faults, he did a tremendous job. No one showed him how to parent four children. His own parents were emotionally distant. But he did the best he could. And he did better than well enough. Before his dementia began, I handed him a copy of my book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Dad, I want you to see something. I wrote a book about you. His eyes welled up with tears. And he said, me? A good dad? I went on to tell him how he changed me. Many years earlier, as a senior in college, I applied for medical schools and I got rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter. Since the age of 16, I'd lived and breathed things about medical school. I had no backup plan. And then it says, I left one evening to go for a jog to clear my head. And when I returned home, I walked in the house. I went inside and I heard my father talking to a friend on the phone in his study. That was odd. I thought because my father was a quiet man and rarely talked on the phone, I decided to do what most 21-year-olds do. I listened in. I heard him say my name. I listened more carefully, and he said to his friend, Yes, that's right. My daughter Meg will be going to medical school in the next year or two. His voice was firm and filled with resolve. I was stunned. What did he know that I didn't know? Had he made phone calls on my behalf? Did he pay off somebody in medical school? Of course he hadn't, but my father gave me the greatest gift. When I heard him state that I was going to medical school, I knew in that moment that I would go. I reasoned that if my, that if my father had that much confidence in me, then I would not let him down. His words... And what my father expressed that day changed the course of my life. You know what that's called, dads? The power of influence. And you can influence them, good or bad, to the Lord or away from the Lord. You have the choice and you do have the power. Lead them to Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. 
as we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I thank you for this time to talk about fathers, our role, our opportunity, our opportunity to influence, our opportunity to lead. And just like I stated at the beginning of my message, even if there's single moms in here that are doing their very best, the, the ball is in their court. And I thank the Lord for strong Christian mothers. And even mothers that don't feel like they are strong, but they really are. Father, no matter our parenting situation, no, no matter our marriage situation, may we point people to Jesus to love God, love others, and live selflessly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.